It's Mother's Day. This is typically one of the big days for church attendance. And yet this Mother's Day, our church building is going to be empty. And, and that's sad, but I also know that not being able to be together in a building will not stop the church. And it also won't stop us from celebrating our moms. These women brought us into the world. Many moms were awesome. They inspire us. Others have their issues. They challenge us. No mom is perfect. But they are still our mom. And we love them and we honor them. Our mom may be battling illness. Maybe the years have robbed her ability to be the mom that we remember. Sadly, maybe our mom has passed away from this life and we miss them. But we still hold their memory dear to our heart. On Mother's Day, we celebrate all women. There are spiritual moms who serve as mentors. There are sisters in the faith who walk with us. There are grandmothers and great-grandmothers. There are daughters and sisters. There are aunts and nieces. There are wives and best friends. And we thank God for all the special ladies in our life. And so I thought I'd start today by asking you a couple of questions. And I really do want you to think about and answer these questions. There's two of them. The first question is, who are the women who had the greatest impact on your life? And I want you to name three of them. And then the second question is, how would you describe them? And here's where it can get kind of tough, because I want you to describe each woman with the one word that comes to mind. Just one word. Examples could include caring, loving, steadfast, nurturing, and so on. And while you're thinking of those three impactful women in your life, I'll tell you about three impactful women in mine. And I will start off by saying I'm not listing them in any particular order. The, the first one is my mom. And the word I would use to describe my mom is friend. And sure, my mom was my mom. She was a teacher. She actually was my Sunday school teacher. And I think she'd tell you I drove her nuts. She was my disciplinarian. She still is my cheerleader. But I think her being my friend is what I cherish the most. My mom encouraged my interest in science and in nature. She let me have all kinds of critters as pets in our house. She did put her foot down when I tried to bring a baby copperhead snake in. She was a shoulder to cry on with each teenage heartbreak. And like me, she is a blues hockey and baseball Cardinals fan. The second woman I'd like to mention is my wife, Mary. Mary is the love of my life. She makes me a better person. Mary is fun. She actually used to be a lot more fun. You see, years of being married to me have drained some of the fun out of her. Mary raised three boys, Brett, Adam, and me. And that was a big job. Mary's my best friend. We enjoy being together. 
I, I can't imagine my life without my wife. And among all the words that come to mind when I think of Mary, I chose the word encourager to describe my wife. You see, Mary is my biggest fan. Even after a Sunday message where I'm pretty sure I missed the mark, Mary will tell me what a great message it was. And sometimes she's not totally honest when she says that, but I'll take it. When I'm down, Mary lifts my spirits. She is a godly woman whose faith I admire. And then the third one, woman I'd like to mention is my daughter-in-law, Ruth. And the fact is, I can't use just one word for Ruth. So I'm going to break my own rule and say that Ruth is, Ruth is calming and present. Our son Adam is driven. Adam can be intense. Ruth's calmness is a great balance for him. She slows him down and lowers his intensity when it needs to be lowered. Ruth is also present. When you talk to her, you have her complete attention. Mary and I noticed the first few times she came over to our house that Ruth would put away her cell phone. When she was with us, she didn't want interruptions. She was focused on family. She was present. And you know, there are very, a whole bunch of other women who have impacted my life. And I want to tell you, you have blessed me more than I can even imagine or you can even know. And I hope you came up with your own list this morning. And if you didn't, please come up with a, a list of three women who impacted your life. And do it right after the service. And then tell them the impact that they've had on your life. You'll make their day. And the fact is, is it will help you realize the blessings that God has provided through these wonderful women. There are a great many women of faith in the Bible, and we're going to take a look at four of them today. Mary, Ruth, Lois, and Eunice. In this group are two moms, Mary and Eunice, a daughter-in-law, Ruth, and a grandmother, Lois. And just as we did for the women in our lives, we're going to look at just one characteristic for each of these women. And so we'll start with the, the most well-known of the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verses 34 and 35 provides the word that we're going to associate with Mary. This passage takes place about 40 days after Jesus' birth. It was the time of his purification. Jesus was presented to the Lord according to Levitical law. And we might wonder, you know, at that point was Mary still pondering the events that had taken place over the past six weeks? There was no room in the inn. She gave birth in a manger. And there was the incredible visit by shepherds who shared the news of the angelic visit. Maybe, maybe since that holy night, life had slowed down a bit for Mary. But I think any mom of newborn knows life is never the same, especially after you have your first child. At the temple that day, a man named Simeon took Jesus into his arms, and he lifted him, and he blessed Jesus. And Simeon declared that this child would be the light of revelation for all people. Simeon said he had now witnessed the salvation of our Lord. Simeon's life was full, it was complete. 
He could now die in peace. And that brings us to Luke chapter 2, verses 34 and 35. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Mary would be blessed, but she would also have a sword pierce her own soul. Simeon's words no doubt caused amazement. They also caused confusion and some concern. Mary had been told that her son was the long-awaited Savior. Mary would see her, po her son's popularity rise to great heights. But she would also see Jesus misunderstood and rejected. She would watch her son die on a cross. It would feel like a sword piercing her own soul. And from that piercing, we get the word that I choose to describe Mary. And that is long-suffering. Now you can argue it's two words, but there's a hyphen there. So doesn't that really just make it one word? To, to be long-suffering is to endure suffering with patience. You get through the suffering. It doesn't destroy you. You grow stronger as a result. You use your suffering to help others who are suffering. Mary endured a level of suffering that is beyond comprehension. You know, on a, on a lighter note, Mary endured some other things raising Jesus that might have been challenging. Imagine raising the perfect son. How could you discipline the Son of God? And for that matter, did Jesus even need discipline? Even when a 12-year-old Jesus was missing for three days during a family visit to Jerusalem, Jesus' answer to his parents was astounding. Mary said to him, she said, Son, why have you treated us so? Your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And Jesus said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he had spoken to him. They didn't understand. I would guess that Mary and Joseph were left speechless. And I doubt that Jesus got grounded as a punishment. I think about this. How would it be to have Jesus as your brother? A perfect brother. Picturing Jesus' mom and the challenges she faced during his childhood can, can, can be kind of fun. But we can't imagine the suffering that Mary experienced watching her son die a horrific death on the cross. Crucifixion was a slow, extremely painful way to die. Before he was even nailed to the cross, Jesus was severely beaten. And Mary's soul was pierced. Her suffering was unbearable. The moms that are listening and watching this message may never experience the intensity of pain that Mary experienced. But every mom, every woman, knows suffering. Suffering takes many forms. Maybe not being able to have children. 
are losing your child to death. Or family problems, including broken relationships. Losing your spouse. Raising a child with special needs. Being single when you want to be married. Or simply trying to live up to the images of beauty as the culture sees it. Every woman endures suffering. Every person knows suffering. And the question that we have to answer is, what do we do with our suffering? Do we wallow in it? Do we let it defeat us? Or do we take it to the Lord? Does our suffering cause us to draw closer to God? I heard one someone say recently, don't waste your suffering. Don't waste your suffering. Paul wrote in Romans 5, he said, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. No one will argue. Suffering is horrible. Still, we know that God will get us through any suffering. And he will use suffering to strengthen us. We can grow through tough times. The second woman we're meeting today is Ruth, and her story is told in the Old Testament book of Ruth. And the book of Ruth is a story of redemption. But we also see devotion. You see, Ruth is a, a picture of devotion. Her story comes out of hardship. There had been a famine in the land of Judah during the time of the judges. In Ruth, we meet a man named Elimelech. His wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Chilion. And rather than wait out the famine at home, Elimelech sought greener pastures in the land of Moab. The people of Moab originated from an incestuous relationship between Lot and his older daughter. They were enemies of the Jewish people. Early in the book of Ruth, Elimelech died and Naomi was left without a husband. Naomi's son, Malon and Chilion, married Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. And then things got worse. Naomi's sons died. Naomi was a widow with no sons and two Moabite daughter-in-laws in a foreign land. And eventually, she decided to return home. And Naomi's daughter-in-laws began the journey with her. But Naomi told them to go back home. Naomi said, if you go with me, there is no hope for you to find a new husband. You will have to leave your family. You will have to leave your gods. You're better off staying in Moab. And we pick up the narrative in Ruth chapter 1 verse 15. It says, and they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And Naomi said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to, re or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. My people. 
and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. Ruth's devotion was amazing. Verse 14 said that Ruth clung to Naomi. And the word there that's translated as clung is the same word that's used in Genesis 2.24 to describe the marriage bond. It's a deep commitment. Ruth left all she knew, her family, her homeland, her gods. She went to a a foreign land as a, a widow. Ruth committed her life to Naomi. She basically laid down her life for her. Jesus once said, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. See, that is love. That is devotion. It's the devotion that Ruth demonstrated for Naomi. We have witnessed similar devotion in faithful women. Such devotion is clear in a a daughter caring for her mother in a nursing home. She cuts her mother's hair. She helps her mother in the bathroom. She prays for her mom. She cares for her mom like a mother cares for her young child. A Ruth-like devotion is seen in a woman who leaves her home and her family because her husband got a good job opportunity out of town. Another woman gives up her career to raise her children. She is a proud mom. And then there is a devotion of a, a mom who never gives up on her wayward child. She's willing to show tough love. And yet her heart breaks to see her child walk down a path of destruction. <clears throat> Such devotion requires a strong faith in God. And Faith is the last of our attributes today. Lois and Eunice were women of faith. They passed on their faith to Timothy. And if you remember, Timothy was the young church leader that was mentored by the Apostle Paul. Lois and Eunice are only mentioned in one verse in the entire Bible. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. He said, I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. That's all the mention that mom and grandma get. And yet their impact on the kingdom of God was great. They raised a young man, a young man named Timothy, in the faith. They discipled Timothy without the support of his dad. Eunice's husband was an unbelieving Gentile. And still Eunice and Lois, their faith was genuine. It was alive. It served as a a testimony to God. And their faith was not unlike that of many women today. Many faithful women are married to a husband who is lost. A husband who doesn't believe in Jesus. And they still love their husband. They are devoted to their husband. They pray for their husband. And they suffer the discouragement of trying to raise children with no support from their spouse. And by the grace of God, they do it. 
They do it. They raise their children in the faith. They stand strong in their faith. Their children are blessed. Long-suffering, devotion, and faith are just three of the many qualities of a godly woman. And each one of the women in our message received blessings. Mary is specifically called blessed. She raised the Son of God, our Savior, Jesus. Ruth married Boaz. Their son Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David, and Jesus came from the line of David. Lois and Eunice passed on their legacy to Timothy, who became a leader in the early church. Being a woman of faith can be difficult. The blessings are often not material, but actually they're better than that because they're spiritual. God knows your heart. I want to close today with a, a message to all women. Know that you are a gift from God. You are a blessing. You are made in God's image. You have value. Jesus gave his very life for you. You are beautiful. And if you've trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your future is secure. Paradise, heaven is your home. God has called you to be his beloved child. God has also called you to be a wife, a mom, a grandmother, a daughter, a sister, an aunt, a niece, a co-worker, a neighbor, and a friend. You can impact those around you for Christ. Your legacy of faith, devotion, and long-suffering will live on for generations. Trust in the Lord and live for Christ.